Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Well, it's all Welcome to the Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Great to be here today on this gorgeous spring day. As I look out the window, I see downtown Seattle and then the Olympic Mountains behind it. What a great day to take your dog for a walk. Don't you think so? I agree. Yeah, wholeheartedly. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. Well, I know. I was uh, saying what you were thinking. And and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking tomorrow's getting awfully warm, so be careful with those doggies. Don't leave them in the car. That's right. That's right. It's get, it's going to be, what, high 70s tomorrow or something? It, it looks like it might be around 80 even. What? Yeah. Crazy. It's getting to be a little too hot for me, but I'm not complaining. Excited about the sun. Have a great show today, as always. Have a guest in the booth, which is always exciting. Eric Itis, who's the founder of Pup Pod, we'll be talking with him in just a few minutes. I do have some announcements to make, though, before we get going with today's show. Uh, so the Natural Pet Pantry is one of our partners, and we've been partnered pretty much since the beginning of, of time, as far as the dog show with Julie Forbes goes. Love their products. Naturalpetpantry.com is their website, and they have two locations, one in Burien and one in Kirkland. You can also find their foods in independent pet stores all around western Washington, and they offer home delivery. Well, they have their Kirkland location has some great events coming up that I wanted to tell you about. Eric, our very own Martha Norwalk, who has a show, how long has she been on the air here at KKNW? It's been a long time. Over a decade, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Animal World. At least, yeah. Sundays at 9. Yeah, 9 to noon, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So Martha Norwalk, who's the host of Martha Norwalk's Animal World, is uh, offering a couple of talks at the Natural Pet Pantry. Uh, it is It has two parts, and the title is The Keys to Understanding Animals and Having a Better Relationship with Them. So the first one is April 20th from 6.30 to 9 p.m. That's part one, Communicating with Animals. Martha teaches how to communicate with animals in four different levels, the primary focus being interspecies telepathic and empathic communication. And then part two is April 27th, so a week later, 6.30 to 9 as well. And uh, part two's topic is the human-to-animal transference. Martha teaches the dynamics of the human-to-animal bond, explains how our animal friends pick up, process, and reflect back our belief systems, behavior characteristics, and particularly our suppressed negative emotions and physical energy. So sounds really interesting. $20 per class or 35 for both. You can sign up in-store or you can call the Natural Pet Pantry to sign up for any of these. Go to their website for more information too, naturalpetpantry.com. May 19th, Dr. Marta Norbrega. And this one's about cats. So a little shout out to our feline friends, Holistic Feline Care and Nutrition. So if you have cats and you live in the area, you might want to check this one out. That's May 19th at 7 p.m. And then May 29th, my buddy, Rachel Milliken, animal communicator and Reiki practitioner, May 29th from 11.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., so all day she'll be hosting animal communication sessions by appointment. Uh, So she writes, animal communication is the ability we all have to make a connection with an animal through the universal language of telepathy. This means we mentally receive thoughts, images, clairvoyant, feelings, clairsentient, and words, clairaudient, 
Animal communication can also be described as deepened intuition. You can sign up at beyondbarking.com, which is her website. And the Natural Pet Pantry is running a couple of promos, 20% off of Healthline nutrition products, Dermagic products, and Vivo products, 25% off InClover products, Optigest, and Connectin. So lots going on there. It's a really great store. I was just there on, uh, what was the day that we met? Monday. I'm looking at my guest here today. I, we I, we met in Kirkland, and then I went uh, swung by the Natural Pet Pantry in Kirkland to check it out. Said hi to Randy and all, all those guys there. So they're great. And then um, starting today, really excited. Um, I talked a few weeks ago with uh, one of the founders of Farm Dog Naturals. Great line of products. Already loving them. We met at the Seattle Kennel Club Dog Show. They were in the booth next to us, and we had a blast and got to learn a lot about their products, and I'm actually really loving them and have had some great success both personally and with my clients. So you can check them out. Farmdognaturals.com is their website. They ship worldwide, and you can listen for their ad, which will be running during our shows. Okay, one more announcement. Vashon Sheepdog Trials, my favorite event probably every year in this area, June 9th through 12th this year. VashonSheepdogClassic.com is the website. It's such a fun event. I cannot recommend this more highly. It's such an easy ferry ride over to Vashon Island. It's held at Misty Isle Farm, and you get to see working border collies actually running sheep through this course, and it's so amazing to watch. One of the quintessential examples of the human-dog relationship as we look back in the years, and they have local food and vendors and a fiber arts village and all sorts of fun stuff, so check it out. So with me in the booth today, uh, another person that I met at the Seattle Kennel Club Dog Show this year, I have Eric Itis, who's the founder of Pup Pod, a um, really, really exciting and interesting learning game uh, for dogs. Then we're going to get into some depth of conversation so that you get to know it. Eric, welcome to the dog show. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here. So... um, there's a lot of this sort of new world of, you know, in the industry of uh, technology uh, sort of games that have come out where there's some technology. So it's not just a, a puzzle where the dog is learning to, like, move a slider over to get to a treat or doing something like mechanical. Um, there's now more and more I'm seeing products that have come out where the dog is sort of interacting with technology and the technology is kind of sensing what, you know, whatever it is from the dog. And, and um, it sort of brings up an interesting thought process for me, kind of thinking about the way that things are moving and how tech, you know, increasingly technological our society is, is getting to be and how, well, of course, now it's sort of getting into our lives with dogs. And now, for the first time, we have products specifically designed where the dogs are directly interacting with technology, which is new. And it brings up some some questions that I, you know, curiosities about, well, this is kind of an interesting thing to ponder, like big picture, and then kind of seeing all these different products that have come out. And it's like, okay, that's kind of interesting. But what I found is that they tend to be sort of too simple or finite where the dog like figures it out. And this is kind of true with some of the mechanical puzzles, like the dog figures it out and then it's like, okay, well, it's not really challenging for the dog anymore. So it doesn't meet that need of, of providing the dog a constructive outlet for their mental energy. 
you know, giving the dog a problem to solve. I talk about this, I feel like, practically every week on the show because it's so important. In my work, uh, working with dog training and behavior, I see lots of dogs that have behavioral challenges because they're just bored. They don't have work to do. So we met. You came by my booth and at the Seattle Kennel Club Dog Show, and then you were telling me about, about Pup Pod, and I was like, oh, wow. This sounds really in, like really interesting and really smart. And what's so exciting about it, I know we got going when we were meeting earlier this week in preparation for this interview. We, I feel like we could have been there probably for a while. We were just like going. And there's so many um, possibilities for applications, you know, moving forward as you develop the product. So I'm really excited to have you on the show and let people know about this product. And I, and I want to say, um, you know, certainly individuals with dogs, you know, check this out. They will be sort of at a limited amount anyway to start available for just individuals to purchase. But especially if you're listening as a an employee or owner of a doggy daycare or boarding facility or place like that where where you can actually offer your clients an opportunity to have their dogs interact with Pup Pod during their stay with you, whether it be during the day or overnight or something like that. And that's really what you're what you are focusing on right now as far as building this product. So um why don't you well let's just talk about first of all what's important, you know, before we get into the details of Pup Pod. Do you have a dog? I do. Okay. So Tell us a little bit about your dog, who you live with. Uh, his name is Puccini, mm-hmm. and he is a rescue. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like a black lab border collie mix, mm-hmm. and um, he likes to have a job. He yes. definitely is uh, wired to work. Yeah, and you um, you said that he part of your inspiration for this, or kind of what kind of got you thinking in this direction, and it sounds like he does something similar to our black lab, Pixie who's um, almost two years old now, uh, but he will bark at dogs that are on the television. Is that right? That's right, right. yeah. So, and he will, and Pixie will do this too. She will bark at other animals as well. Like if it's a bear, not all animals, like she won't bark at birds or stuff, but if it's like a bear or something, she's like, oh, you know. But you said Puccini um, can tell, like will even bark at like cartoon dogs, but not other kinds of cartoon characters. That's right. Pretty interesting, isn't it? Yeah, that was it? that was a really interesting observation. And is that what kind of got you thinking about, like, was there a connection in you observing that to, like, where you are now? Yeah, there's definitely a connection. So um, what did that get you thinking? Like, when you saw that, you were like, hmm. Well, there's a there's a combination of things that all kind of come together, that all kind of came together to for the the inspiration behind Pup Pod. Mm-hmm. Um, my background has been in user experience design, for the last 20 years and have worked on like a lot of the early technology that went into smartphones that, and mm-hmm. building the smartphone product category. So mm-hmm. um, seeing, trying to see the, the world and how the world, how, how uh, you know, beings or dogs in this case are interacting with technology and the world is just a kind of a natural curiosity of mine. I kind of see things through that lens. Mm-hmm. And then seeing him, you know, how, how he react, reacted to things, particularly you know, the TV in this case, just prompted like, you know, what is, what's going through his mind? What's really, mm-hmm. what is he really thinking about? Trying to, trying to put myself in, you know, and with humans, we always say put ourselves in their shoes, but in this case, I guess put, put myself in his paws. Yeah. Um, 
And then ab- about that same time, this is about four years ago or so, when the um, Xbox Connect came out. Mm-hmm. And um, for, for your listeners that may not know that product, uh, it's, it's a gaming system that um, has some cameras. So it can keep track of where the human is and you can move around in physical space uh, and you don't have to use a controller. And so I had this thought like, well, could a dog play a video game? Because my dog's you know, paying attention to the TV. Mm-hmm. And that kind of got me thinking about how not having to hold a controller could free up a dog to be able to interact with software. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as I thought about it more, I really realized that was a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. And that <laughs> and I'm glad you said it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that uh, it, it took me a little while, but not that long. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that really what was below that was, you know, that that realization was that TVs were designed for human beings. And so mm-hmm. then it prompted the question in my mind, what would a user interface look like if a dog invented it? Mm-hmm. And that brought me back to kind of what's going on inside Poochie's head mm-hmm. and trying to design, you know, a... It's kind of, you know, one kind of more the techie way to describe what we're doing is we're really designing a computing platform for dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot more fun than that sounds, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, at a, at a cerebral level, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what would that look like if a dog invented it. That mm-hmm. was kind of kind of the origin of the idea that mm-hmm. we went through several iterations to get to where we are. Yeah. And I, I have to say, you've definitely done a good job so far for where you've gotten from my point of view being that my expertise is actually in understanding how dogs think and learn and experience the world and all that kind of stuff, what you have set up and and the way that it interacts with dogs or the ways that dogs interact with it, it really shows an understanding of, of what works for dogs, you know, and of course every dog is different. And, and we talked about that a little bit in our meeting beforehand and how you're kind of making some adjustments to accommodate different individuals because just like people, everybody's different and have different rates of learning or different styles of learning and all that kind of stuff. But um, but it really is interesting. So we're going to get into the, um, the details of how this works exactly um, and, you know, how it's con- – constructed and how the dogs actually interact with it. We're just going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be talking more with Eric Idis, who's the founder of Pup Pod. Now they can go to your website to learn more too, which is puppod.com. P-U-P-P-O-D. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Yeah, this is a story of famous dog. For the dog that takes this tale. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities. You name it and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? 
Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me, host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. (laughs) This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Designing Health, makers of Missing Link, we cover the world of animals. This week, April 10th, it's a best Sunday with Dr. Nels Rasmussen, and we'll have open phone lines. Dr. Nels can help with emotional, behavioral, or physical problems. He can test for allergies, drug, or supplement compatibility and dosages for you or your animal friends. Call us for a free remote session. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. This summer, pack up the dog bowls and head to the lodges on Vashon. Just a 20-minute ferry ride from West Seattle, Vashon Island is the perfect quick getaway for you, your family, and your furry friend. The Lodges on Vashon has 16 freestanding contemporary lodges, two communal spaces, and plenty of outdoor space to enjoy with your pooch. Go to lodgesonvashon.com for more information, because sometimes your dog needs a vacation too. Ahead of the talk radio curve, naturally. Alternative Talk 1150. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And we're back talking with Eric Itis, who's the founder of Pup Pod. You can find them online at puppod.com. That's P-U-P-P-O-D.com. All sorts of videos and great information. You can see dogs actually interacting with this. Now, what do you call it, like unit or system or what's the appropriate like that you can see dogs interacting with what <laughs> no it's a tricky it's a we're really building a new product category yeah and so we struggle with that but i, I like to call it a learning system for dogs okay. even though that doesn't necessarily have a doesn't have the right ring maybe not the a catchy ring to it but it really is a learning system it's a platform um where the toy and the the treat dispenser um you know, are working together so that the mm-hmm. dog can learn learn a lot. You know, there's a le- bit, huge learning component. Learning system for dogs. Well, the acronym is LSD, so <laughs> <laughs> that has a little ring to it, huh? Yeah, we tried <laughs> we tried a gaming console for dogs, and it just sounded a little too nerdy. Yeah, a little bit more like a video game too, which is we don't a want little, people to think about that. Wanna, yeah, 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 it's kind of the wrong analogy. But that's the hard thing about a product category is trying to find a reference that people. Yeah can connect with and, and immediately get. So if anybody has any good ideas, please post them to our Facebook page. All right. Okay, so puppod.com is the website. Check it out. There's some great videos there. So let's talk about what this is. Um, so you have, so why don't you just, you go ahead, because I'm going to try to make it up and I'll just fumble over the words. So, um, so you've got, there's basically three components to it, right? That's right. Okay, so go ahead. Yeah, so there's, a, we use a, a Kong Wobbler as the housing for, the toy, and we've packed it with sensors and wireless technologies. Yeah, and that's really what the dog is focused on: is interacting with this toy. And there's um, speakers in the toy. There's a speaker in the toy, so we can play sounds. 
their lights so we can communicate to the dog with lights. And then there are um, sensors like a motion sensor and uh, accelerometer so we can detect when the dog is interacting with the toy. So it gets and, close to it or moves it. That's right. Okay. And um, then the, the game is like a different combination of variables that, that, that progressively get more difficult so that the dog starts off with easy things like just getting close to the toy and figuring out that that's what they're going to get rewarded for mm-hmm. and then touching the toy and touching it when sounds are played. And, mm-hmm. and then there's like a whole, basically the dog is kind of figuring out a language mm-hmm. of how to, how to interact with the toy based on what the toy is communicating. Mm-hmm. I think the part about it that, that is so interesting to me, well, there's a lot of parts of it that are interesting, but as far as the, the dog's learning process and the steps that you have outlined about where to start with it so that the dogs being a dog figure out, oh, all right, what's going on here? You know, why would I do this? Why would I do it? We'll go through the levels um, in a little bit. But so you have this, it's, it's, um, and you can apply this to other toys as well, but kind of your, your starter is a Kong wobbler, which is like a large, uh, m- most people know what a Kong toy is. Uh, the original um, design, it looks kind of like a, a beehive. And, um, but this wobbler is like a hard plastic version. Um, and you guys have rigged it with all sorts of lights and motion sensors and accelerometers and uh, a speaker inside and all sorts of stuff. So it's all loaded with some, te- some, uh, some technology to sense all of these things with how the, how the dog is interacting with it. So then why does the dog want to interact? You know, what is it about that? What's it connected to? Well, yeah, then there's a, a treat dispenser. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they do the correct, take the correct action with the, and their interaction with the smart toy, um, then the system rewards the dog with treats. Uh, so they're motivated to keep trying to figure out how to interact with the toy. It's kind of a trial and error process. It's, it's really just operant conditioning. It's, mm-hmm. the same, it's the same approach used in clicker training for dogs to kind of stumble their way into figuring out the, the right thing. Right. So this was one of the things that struck me when we were first talking about how this is different from the things that I've seen is that the the toy is over here and then the treat dispenser is over there in another part of the room. And the dog, you know, eventually learns through the levels, which we'll get to. I come over to the toy, interact with the toy, and then that sets off this beep sound, and then the, the treat spits out of the treat dispenser, which is over there. So the dog's actually going to another location to get the reward, whereas most of the stuff that I've seen, it's it's like one system, and the treat comes out of that system. So it's kind of interesting to see the dog making the connection between here and there. That's right. Yeah. And it's you know it's a physical activity because there's a lot, depending on how much you either spread the toy out from the dispenser where the dogs can start batting it around, the toy around, and it can roll down the hall. Mm-hmm. Um, they can get a lot of physical exercise. There's the mental the mental stimulation, the mental exercise component. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have to, you know, we always talk about it as a treat dispenser, but you can put just their kibble in there. Mm-hmm. So it can just be a more interactive uh, way for them to get both mental and physical exercise just to eat their meal. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could do what I call the Lucky Charms model where it's kind of a, a combination of kibble and treats if you need to mm-hmm. uh, give them a few oh, a few yeah. marshmallows to go with their, uh, yeah. with their cereal. Not literally <laughs> no, Lucky not, Charms, not, not, just to clarify. <laughs> yeah, just mix the treats with the kibble and, uh, and then they've got, um, you know, a, a jackpot treat every now and then. But. Mm-hmm. Or you can just put in all, all, the, all, the, all the good stuff, right? 
Or you can, yeah. yeah. Um, and we have, we have uh, part of our system, we can monitor how many calories a dog's getting mm-hmm. so we can set parental controls, let, let mm-hmm. pet parents set controls for mm-hmm. how, many, um, how, much, how many calories their dog should have before mm-hmm. the game yeah. pauses or stops. Which would be a good argument for once, if a dog's really going on this to having the dog getting at least part of the meal or maybe one meal where they are actually getting their meal through to this so that they're not getting a ton of extra calories. So the dog, um, and then you have a third part. So you've got your, now what do you call this? The toy? Just the other toy or the smart smart toy, just so. Okay, you've got your smart toy, which in this example is the Kong Wobbler. And then you've got your treat dispenser. That's and, right. And what you've been using, um, you're not limited to this, but what you've been using and having great success with is something called a pet tutor. That's right. And then you have your hub. So tell us about that. Yeah, the hub is really a, people you're listening to think of as like a camera. It's a video camera with some computing technology along with the camera. Mm-hmm. And that's capturing video of the whole interaction of the dog playing. So you can see this cute video of your dog figuring it out. And you can see them kind of cock their head to the side as they're trying to, to put the pieces together in their, in their doggy brains. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then also we're capturing all of the data from the play session so we can help pet parents see all the stats for, you know, how long their dog played and how successful they were at different levels, how they're progressing through the game, you know, and ultimately show pet parents, give them a deeper understanding of kind of what's going on in their, with their dog as we are, um, you know, uh, analyzing the data that comes out of these play mm-hmm. sessions. I think what's so cool about this, one of the many things, is that... Um, one of one of the aspects of what I do working with people usually in their homes doing private lessons for train dog training or working with behavior or whatever is working with their dog in front of them so that they get to actually see their dog have a thought process and figure something out and like compute because it's amazing and I don't you've probably encountered this as you've been demonstrating it or you know to people where people are like, you know, more often than I would like to think, are like, I didn't know my dog could think like that, you know? And it's like, oh, these poor dogs are in society, you know, living with us day in and day out. And in a lot of cases, they're living with humans who love them dearly, but who don't understand their capacity to have a thought process and make a choice and Figure stuff out. I mean, they're so smart. I say it all the time. Dogs don't get enough credit for their ability to process, um, think things through and all that kind of stuff. So I think one thing that is exciting about this is that because people, a lot of people will kind of connect with the technology aspect of it, and that will actually help them connect with their dog's thought process. Totally. Totally. Which is cool. And, you know, part... A lot of times when we show the product to people, they say, oh, well, can I get my, can I like train my dog to do a uh, a human desirable task, uh, which is totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. But we didn't really come at it from that perspective. There are definitely human desirable things that dogs can learn, but we really came at it from the standpoint of what would a dog want to do with a computer? Yeah. Like, what, how can we build a product that dogs will just want to explore with and think about and um, that's just going to be interesting to a dog, mm-hmm. even if there isn't like a direct, you know, skill that they're sitting or lying, you know, going in a down or 
you know, those are all things that humans want their dogs to do. But we kind of thought, you know, we'll, we'll get to those things too. But there's a lot of stuff that a dog will just be, have fun, have fun learning. Well, that I think is such an important aspect of this world of, uh, this new, new world of having dogs interacting with technology, um, and playing, playing these kinds of games or going through these exercises is really kind of protecting the best interest of the dog and like the mental health of the dog. One of the things that I saw, uh, recently was a dog. It was one of those things where the dog, um, one of those real simple puzzles or something where the dog, I think it was like hits a button and treat a treat comes out or something like that. So I think there was actually a a little bit of technology going on within the system. It wasn't just a mechanical thing. But as humans have so um, so beautifully proven that technology can be used neurotically. And uh, and I think I believe that that it, that case is very true with dogs as well. And I've actually seen videos of it where you have a dog that's like, you know, figures out like press the button and then a treat comes out and it's just like, ah, you know, like digging at the thing, like trying to press, you know, press the button, press the button. And it's not one of the values of of engaging a dog's brain and giving them a constructive outlet for their mental energy is that it has a calming grounding effect on the dog. So to design something in a way that it really does that, as opposed to being too simple and being something that the dog just goes on sort of auto manic autopilot about treat, 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 you know, um, as opposed to really forcing the dog to slow down a little bit and actually have to figure something out. That's actually what has that, that overall desirable effect and what is healthy for the dog mentally, as opposed to just sort of another way for them to play out neurotic behavior or, or pent out pent up energy. That's right. And it has you kind of alluded to these different levels that we've built in the game. Mm-hmm. It's um what what what's interesting is in software we can make the game automatically get more challenging based on the dog's actual performance. Mm-hmm. So we're we're finding that spot with an algorithm where the dogs always challenge but it's not too hard for them. It's that they get bored and lose interest and it's not too easy that they're not having to think and they're just getting, you know, too many, the rewards too easily. So mm-hmm. that that's uh, evolving automatically based on the dog's actual wh- where they are in their learning process. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the levels and actually, how, how, you know, kind of uh, step by step. How does this how does this process as of now work for dogs? Um, what is that? So there's different levels. Right. So in the beginning, we um, the dog really just has to get close to the toy. Uh, we have a we have a mechanism where the dog kind of get just learns a couple times to associate the sound of the treat dispenser with the seat treat coming out. So whenever they hear that sound, they are reminded, oh, the treat came out, so I can go get my treat. Mm-hmm. But um, in the beginning, the dog just kind of wanders around; doesn't really require any human training. They usually are curious. They go over and they sniff the toy, and when they get close to it, the motion sensor picks them up and then um, gives them a treat. And so then after a couple. Uh, repet- some repetition of that, the dog starts figuring out every time that I get close to the toy, then a treat comes out of the dispenser, and then they start to make the connection that, oh, I could keep doing keep doing some other things with this toy. Right. I'm going to keep getting treats. And the treat dispenser is <clears throat> separate from the toy. That's so right. the dog gets close to the toy, and then the treat dispenser, which is however many feet away from the toy, 
makes the sound that they've already learned to associate with a treat coming out. Um, so it's not the toy. The dog gets close to the toy, and then the toy spits the treat out. The treat's actually coming out from the dispenser, which is at a different location. That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, and so then once, the dog, once we know the dog's kind of got the hang of that, then we can um, m- turn off the motion sensors, and the dog has to touch the toy. So they only get rewarded if they actually make contact you know, with their nose or their paw or they roll the toy, something like that. And that would be the, the job of the accelerometer. That's right, okay. yes. I like that word. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and the whole time that that's, they're playing at these kind of first two levels, um, there's a sound that's being played to kind of keep the dog, keep their attention to, direct their attention back to the toy. From the toy. Yeah, from the toy. There's also, a, there's a sound that comes out of the toy. Okay. And so then, at, and um, we're still experimenting with those sounds, but um, part of our, uh, our, this is like the software developer you know, brainstorming was, well, every dog seems to come running when you open up a treat bag. Mm-hmm. So we recorded the sound of a treat bag, and that, mm-hmm. that actually works as a pretty effective sound to get dogs' attention. Funny. Um, we've used squeaky toy sounds and a couple other sounds that we've, we're, still, we're still playing. And that you, could, you could potentially have an owner uh, or pet parent's voice could be, you know, the, the, the positive sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but then uh, at level three, once they get the hang of just touching the toy, then at level three, they have to touch it when the sound is played. Mm. So if they touch it when the sound isn't being played, that doesn't trigger a reward. And they, then the dog starts to, through trial and error, get more precise. And they realize, oh, I got to touch it when the sound's being played. Um, and then as the dog is the hang of that, we can stretch out the time interval. So the sound's not being played as frequently. And the dog has to um, have a longer attention span to kind of wait for the sound mm-hmm. uh, and then touch it right when the sound happens. Mm. Um, and so... Um, that's the part that I that I just thought of when I was talking about the dog just sort of like high speed button button button, button you know press 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 um, where it's almost like the as the levels progress it's really causing the dog to kind of have to slow it down slow it down slow it down and really be learn more deeply what's going on and and have to focus more as the levels progress. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And and those and those the that lengthening the time gap. It all happens automatically. So when the dog's really got the hang of it, when the sound's being played every 10 seconds, we can extend the time to every 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then when that they got the hang of it there, we can push it out to 20 seconds. And yep. the dog doesn't you know, really know what's going on. They just know that they got to pay attention and, they, um, and they've got to keep you know, staying focused on trying to figure out how to, when the sound's going to happen. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that is when uh, the... So that's level three. So that's they right. have to touch the toy within a, a window oh. or basically when the sound plays. So it's not just touch the toy whenever, but it's got to be within proximity to when the sound is playing. And that's then right. and then it gets even further along. Yeah, the next, the next challenge they have is to, we introduce a second sound. And uh, we just call it the no treat sound. It's probably not the best term, but mm-hmm. it does. it's just a sound that plays and the dog doesn't get a treat when that mm-hmm. sound plays. And really at level four, it's just causing the dog to now try to differentiate between two sounds and figure out the meaning between these two sounds. Um, and so we can, we can watch the pattern there. And even though the dog doesn't get a treat when they touch, if they, if they touch the toy when the no treat sound is being played, we, are, we track all the sensors. So we can start to see when, a dog, when the pattern is shifting and the dog's actually touching the toy more when the treat sound occurs and they're kind of ignoring it when the no treat sound occurs uh, to see that they're starting to figure out that the... There's only one, one of the two sounds gives them a treat, and that's the one that they get rewarded for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when that pattern starts to become clear, we can then move to the next level 
where if they do touch the toy when the no treat sound is played, um, then they just get that sound again. So in order to get back to the treat sound, they have to leave the toy alone on the sec- when the second <laughs> sound gets played. And mm-hmm. they have to really learn patience to only yeah. touch the toy when the sound that gets played, that when the sound plays, that gives them the treats. Yeah. Have you seen dogs where they're like, where they, like, have you seen that, them recognize that? Where oh, they're yeah. like, they're like, they touch, oh, touch, oh, dang, yeah. I, oh, you know, and then like their, their version of that. Well, when you were talking about owners, you know, the pet parent reactions to seeing their dogs play, yeah. definitely at some of the earlier levels, they'll, um, they'll say, God, I didn't, my dog's really starting to get the hang of this now, you yeah. know, especially if you don't try to teach the dog. You just let them just sit there. A lot of times I'll try to distract the pet parent and just talk to them yeah. so that we're not focused on the dog and the dog's yeah. not looking for any like- Go get cute, it. Go get it. Yeah. Go get it. <laughs> They're yeah. not looking for like a human human <laughs> cue. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and once they, dogs are like, okay, these guys aren't paying attention to me. They just start playing with it. Mm-hmm. But then at some of the more challenging points in the progression, you will see some, I have heard some pet parents say, oh, he's getting frustrated now. Like there's this mm-hmm. frustrated phase that they go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a good thing, yeah. you know, and it's, as long as we don't make it so difficult that they lose interest. But, yeah. but some dogs, you know, they don't make it too easy either. So you right. can kind of see that, that in, the, in the dog, too, that they're having to work to figure it out. Right, exactly. And that, that word frustration is something that is used in trick training, task training. It's, it's a good um, productive frustration because they're kind of like, ah, this, 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 you know, it used to work when I did it this way. So it's like, hey, I, I used to only have to walk over to this thing. Hey, what's wrong with you? And then they bat it and then ding, the thing goes off, right? Exactly. So it's a productive frustration in a way of kind of motivating them to kind of figure out, well, what else, what do I need to do differently? What do I need to add or do more of in order to get this to work? That's right. And it's just a game. Yeah. So really at the end of the day, the dog's just playing playing a game. Yeah. Um, and then, and one thing is to, before we drift, drift off a topic um in the the way i just described the different levels we also have lights that we can um use as another variable in the game to add some complexity but we can also just use lights for dogs that are hearing impaired we had love it when we were first um we did a kickstarter campaign last year and so we were having a lot of contact with um you know demoing the product to at trade shows and stuff uh and we had a small but very vocal group that that said hey could you make this work for for deaf dogs and mm-hmm. i thought that's brilliant yeah well yeah. let's let us go back to the drawing board and we'll we'll figure out a way to make it work for deaf dogs so that's another that's awesome angle we're going down yeah um, my wife darcy is is uh, she works with dogs as well and she's currently working with a deaf dog um and is using lights as part of the training for him and it's so interesting to hear about his process and and what she's kind of figuring out just so that he can get things as a hearing impaired dog because mentally they're, you know, all the same. They just don't have the, the benefit of hearing, but they can process and do all, all the everything else, right? So having that visual cue rather than the, the audio cue is awesome. Okay, so now, and then there's like, I mean, there's so many applications for this. It's amazing. So this is like what what you guys have got going so far so again, um, for especially if you are connected with a daycare, doggy daycare, boarding facility, that kind of place, um, the way that you guys are set up is to is to sort of work with these facilities so that um, they can offer this 
to their clients as like an add-on, like a boarding add-on or training add-on um, to give the dogs some mental stimulation while they're staying at whatever the facility is. And so you work with these companies to provide this. And if anybody's interested in um, bringing PupPod on board, um, you can go to PupPod.com is the website. That's P-U-P-P-O-D, PupPod.com. Um, you can also email Eric directly. It's Eric, E-R-I-C-K, at PupPod.com um, to get in touch if you're interested in, in exploring um, bringing PupPod on board with your facility. Um, and then you do have, to some degree, a capacity to um, That's right. accommodate individuals who just want to have it for their own dogs. That's right. And with the boarding, um, the boarding and daycare uh, facilities, our focus is on providing it as a service to them. So we're not trying to sell them anything. We're actually, right. Thank you. Um, you know, we have a business model where we're, we, it's a win-win where we share the revenue mm-hmm. um, that we can, if they're successful, we're successful. And, you know, yeah. we're, we're, our business model is really structured to be um, real supportive. So we're in the same, yeah. the same boat together. So you provide the system at no charge for the. That's right. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's where the path we're going down. Cool. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back um, talking more with Eric Itis, who's the founder of Pup Pod. I love this product. You can go to puppod.com to see some videos of dogs actually um, interacting with it. It's really, really fun to watch. I'm looking at one with a little schnauzer right now, and he's totally rocking it. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. dog to help me find my way I'm so much in love with you I can't even see the light of day The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities. You name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me, host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. (laughs) 
This is Julie Forbes. I'm excited to tell you about Farm Dog Naturals, a company that handcrafts herbal remedies for the all-natural dog. Quality and integrity are must-haves for anything that I recommend. Certified eco-friendly and cruelty-free, their products address issues like stress and anxiety, itching, hot spots, crusty noses, as well as pet urine, stains, and odor. Farm Dog Naturals is guaranteed, and I'm so happy with the results I'm seeing. Shipping is available worldwide from their website, farmdognaturals.com, or you can ask for them at a retailer near you. Again, that's farmdognaturals.com. Write it down, shout it loud. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Now, wasn't that fun? And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. So good, and I gotta get my feet on the ground. On the ground, Merle Haggard, right there, right, Eric? Absolutely. Yeah, I you just let me know that he just recently passed away. Yeah, yeah, we got the news right before the show, so oh, wow. that's our little tribute to him. Uh, seeing Eye Dog, nice. We, we've also played another one of his songs around Christmas time called Bobby Wants a Puppy Dog for Christmas. Oh, so, yeah, oh, thank He's you. He's contributed to that great. Pantheon of dog yeah. tunes here for the show. Oh, man. All right. Well, thanks thanks for that. Thanks for letting me know about that. All right. We're back with Eric Itis, founder of Pup Pod. Puppod.com is the website. P-U-P-P-O-D.com. There's lots of great videos on there and more information. You can actually see this, see some dogs at work with the system. So we've gone over um, sort of, we talked in the first segment about like more generally, like this whole idea of dogs interacting with technology and sort of your process of developing the system in a way that's um, very intelligently done with an understanding of how dogs learn. And and I really appreciate as an advocate for dogs that you've really been keeping in mind if if the dog wanted, if the dog were designing this, what would they want as opposed to just pleasing the human part of the equation, right? So really designing this for dogs. Um, which serves them and ultimately serves the humans as well. Um, and then in the second segment, uh, the middle part of the show, we kind of went through the, the different levels, the different levels that the dogs go through and how the training progresses and how it gets harder and all that kind of stuff. And if you've missed any part of this episode or any of our, I don't know, 370 now, I think, um, episodes, you can find them all archived on our website, dogradioshow.com. You can go to iTunes and download them from free. You can go to SoundCloud and get them from there as well. We post all of our episodes directly to our Facebook page through SoundCloud. So if you're on Facebook, be sure to find us there too, The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And while you're there, find Pup Pod on Facebook as well, and you can catch a lot of their um, great videos and keep up to date with their progress through Facebook too. So back to kind of what we were talking about right before the break where you have – really looking to connect with doggy daycares, boarding facilities, um, where they can actually bring Pup Pod on board, where they have a system there, um, which is at no charge, so they don't have to pay anything up front to, to get Pup Pod there. And then you kind of partner with each other. Um, and so whatever sort of fee that they might charge the the owner for the dog to participate while they're staying, um, you guys both share the revenue from that. That's right. Um, so what does this, you know, for, you know, I can go on about it, but from your perspective, um, you know, how, how does this help dogs and kind of what's your vision for moving this forward from here? Well, there's a, you know, this is just the beginning of a, of a, 
product category. And mm-hmm. so as I'm trying, sometimes when I'm trying to explain our the, our vision for for why we're we're doing this, you have to kind of get people to roll back in their minds to a day when they had a computer that maybe ran like Windows 3.1, mm-hmm. and you were just trying to like write a document or a spreadsheet, or maybe you went to a website that was just basically a marketing brochure, you know, didn't really do anything. Right. And you go back to that. That's that's where we are right now in this mm-hmm. stage of the product category. And if you can think forward 20 years from now to where we are 20 years later with computers, being able to shop online and have maps and, um, you know, streaming video. I mean, there's just so many things that are hard to even imagine mm-hmm. um, that human beings would be doing, you know, back in the mid-90s with mm-hmm. the really early computing platforms that we take for granted now. Um, the same, the same wave of technology is going to be available to dogs. So, um, like the huge cell phone from like the, <laughs> the what is it? Even like the eighties, I think. The brick. Yeah, just yeah. this gigantic this, thing. I remember my when mm-hmm. my dad got the his, his car phone, and it was like a huge, like basically like phone, like. Yeah, as proud yeah. as I am of what we've accomplished, what we've accomplished really is cutting edge. Mm-hmm. Ten years from now, we're going to look back at back at our current version of the right. product and just. It's going to look like a dinosaur because, right. you know, technology just moves so fast. Sure, yeah. Uh, and there's so much potential. Yeah. Well, and I think it'll be interesting to see how this does move forward because you are talking about interacting with dogs. And dogs are different from people, you know, in, in a lot of really refreshing ways. So, um, you know, keeping it, you know, seeing how dogs progress. And then I think about, you know, what does this do for dogs as a species, you know, what is this going to do for them as they evolve? If you give, I mean, so Chaser the Border Collie. Um, I interviewed John Pilly and his daughter. And John Pilly is the man who taught Chaser. You are aware of Chaser, right? Oh, yeah, awesome. So over a thousand, well over a thousand words, and not only different words, but he's taught Chaser how to recognize different categories of words. And I mean, he's basically taught this dog the English language in a way that no other dog has been taught language before. It's incredible. And one of his points is um, he provided Chaser the opportunity to learn, and that's how she's been so successful. So what, the, you know, the more that we interact with dogs in an intelligent way and in an opportunity in a way that gives them the opportunity to figure things out and get smarter and, um, just like we learn. I mean, it's not base intelligence. Part of it's the opportunity to learn that gets gets us smarter, you know? Um, That's right. And so the, what direction is this, you know, how is, what direction is this going to go differently from humans because this is for dogs? And then, you know, fast forward 100 years or whatever, what is this going to do for for dogs and raising their intelligence in general, you know? Right. Um, well, and what's amazing about, what the, the story of Chaser is amazing, but mm-hmm. The number of hours that um, were spent with a human training chaser just isn't feasible for yeah. the <laughs> many people, right? And definitely not for most yeah. people. Yeah. Um, so what we're trying to do is for dogs that are, if your dog's at home alone during the day when you're at work or even in your office, but you don't, you know, you're focused on meetings and work and you know, for people that can take their dog to, the, to work, this is just a way for a dog to kind of learn on their own mm-hmm. with, the, with the tool. It's a tool that we're building so the dog can learn in their free time. They've got tons of free time mm-hmm. that they can be teaching themselves. Um, and and to your point about how this could evolve differently than computing evolved for humans, 
just if you just look at the olfactory senses, you know that's that one variable and and the range of smell that dogs have over humans. It's just on it's orders of magnitude different. And um, hard to comprehend. It's very hard to comprehend. And like the ability for dogs, we know they can detect low blood sugar in diabetics, and they can even detect cancer. In some cases, they can detect, they can smell cancer. Sure. Like if if we need to catch up with how do we what is it that they're smelling and how do we replicate that so we can turn that into games mm. so that you know someone's pet dog if you're diabetic or you know your 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 dog your dog could just be learning they may never they may never be a full blown diabetic service dog but if they can learn to detect low blood sugar and that becomes reliable and we give them tools that they can learn that on their own i mean how amazing would that be mm-hmm. And also, so a great tool for types of assistance dogs where they are sensing something through smell, like low, low blood sugar, um, but also just for the pet dog to have a way to play a game that uses their nose. So I've done a number of shows over the years on um, no, canine nose work, which is a dog sport where it's scent detection training for fun, but it's something that the the human you know, does with their dog, and it's such an amazing thing for the relationship and confidence building and all that kind of stuff. But dogs' primary sense is smell. So, um, you know, I think that that's, that's super, super, super exciting. And I'm like, uh, oh, let's, like, keep talking about all these different amazing applications, but we're out of time. Well, we'll, 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 we'll have uh, other stories yes. for, for, for your users to, or your listeners to follow stay us. Stay tuned. And, yeah, stay to tuned. To be continued, it's, yeah. We're not going anywhere. So, so cool. I mean, it's, so you can see now after you've listened why this has really gotten my attention and how different it is and how smart it is. So you can go online. Puppod.com is the website. P-U-P-P-O-D.com. You can email Eric directly if you are listening as the owner or employee of a doggy daycare or boarding facility and you're like, oh, yeah, this sounds amazing because it is. You can email him E-R-I-C-K at puttpod.com and uh, see how you can bring the system on board. Um, one of the things in like 30 seconds, what have you learned from this since you started? Like what's one of the biggest things that you have learned about dogs? That this, this idea actually worked, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it was, it, it was a concept that we had to prove out. And as we've, as we've, we've probably, we've had hundreds of dogs that yeah. in the usability testing process. And so, yeah. um, that I don't think I realized how big the at first it was like this would be kind of cool and fun to do, but yeah. now we're realizing that this is a product category that is going to exist and yeah and um and it's meeting a huge need, which I talk about all the time, which is giving the dog a constructive outlet for their mental energy, giving them an opportunity to be smart because they are yeah and they're all so different and we get to play with dogs yeah how much fun is dogs that dogs are the best obviously. All right. Well, so great to have you on the show, Eric. And I'm just so excited to be connected to the process and see where you guys go. Uh, Find all of our episodes archived on our website, dogradioshow.com. And I will also post all the links from today on our homepage so you can get them there, too, if you're driving or whatever. Can't write it down. Dogradioshow.com. We'll be back next Wednesday live at 2 p.m. Thanks for listening.
You've been listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Never miss another episode. Listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on iTunes or SoundCloud.